Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Okay, welcome back, everybody. Here's what I want to do. I want to jump back into the Title IX thing real quick. This is rather important, as I laid out in the last episode, but I'm not sure I was entirely clear as to how awful this actually is. And I want to play some recent audio here that sort of describes it a little bit more. Basically, the Ohio Board of Education, as it says here in this local uh, local Fox 28 story, it says that they are expected to vote on what they call a controversial resolution that opposes the federal government's proposed changes to Title IX to protect LGBTQIA students. So, in essence, again, the state's resolution basically says boys are boys, girls are girls, and the two should not intermingle in bathrooms, sports, etc., etc. Again, a lot of people are assuming that the Board of Education is going to uh, is going to approve this, but then of course there's opposition to it because there are degenerates everywhere and they think that all of this is normal. Let me play this local news outlet uh, audio here. It's a couple of minutes long, and it describes it a little bit more in detail and then highlights some individuals as well. You, of course, can't see this, but there is always something, and you know what I'm talking about when I say this, the look that a lunatic brainwashed liberal has, in particular when they're standing up for all these trannies. Their eyes are just so wide. It's as if someone is in complete control of their brain, like the devil himself has, has his hand right in the back of their head and is purposely bulging their eyes out. I mean, there's a look about these people that is, uh, you just can't mistake it. And they all have the exact same opinions. I mean, they are real-life NPCs. But with all of that said, here's the audio in three, two, one. We start tonight with a controversial proposal, a potential Ohio Board of Education resolution that could impact students across the state. It opposes the federal government's proposed changes to Title IX to protect LGBTQIA students. This week, state board members will vote. And some local school board members are now speaking out about it. Isabel Hansen spoke with a school board president. And Isabel, how does she feel about this resolution? Haley, the Gahanna Jefferson School Board president tells me every student needs to feel like they belong to be able to focus on learning. She says this resolution does not help students feel that way. But I have continued to hear from students and from families who feel a lot of pain um, in the language that has been in those resolutions. That resolution that's on the table at this week's State Board of Education meeting includes, quote, biological sex, male and female, is one such objective scientific fact. And, quote, denying the reality of biological sex destroys foundational truths upon which education rests. The language that is in the resolution, it doesn't reflect that it is their job to serve every single student. Um, some of the language is, is incorrect. It, I mean, it's false information. The State Board of Education started considering a version of this resolution in September, hearing passionate pleas ever since. We consider the passage of this resolution an important opportunity to take a stand for our families, our schools, and our future of our country, our children. 
and to all LGBTQIA kids in Ohio. You deserve better, and I am profoundly sorry that there are adults in your state government who can't see you for what you are. People. Rural Brown Pickle Antonio says her school board members and others across the state do not want this state board's direction on these matters. We are elected by our communities. We know our communities best, and um, we know how to make sure that our students are receiving what they need. She tells me whether the resolution passes, it's already hurting students and families. When you have a statewide governmental body that is literally writing that you as a human being don't exist, that the, that the definition of who you are isn't, isn't a fact, I can't honestly imagine how that would feel. Um, and I, the idea that any student has to feel that for even one minute, I mean, it, it breaks my heart. The State Board of Education will hear public testimony tomorrow, then they'll vote on the resolution on Tuesday. Isabel, of course, this is a complicated issue. It's a hot button issue. What would the impact be on Ohio kids if this resolution does indeed pass? So if it passes, superintendents and board members at every Ohio public district and school will receive a letter from the state board. That will include a copy of the resolution and information about the board's stance. The resolution states that the letters meant to inform schools not force them to take any action. So if this passes, students might not see any changes when they're at school. Well, I know you and our team of reporters will be monitoring this. Isabel Hansen reporting for us tonight. Thanks, Isabel. You fully understand that I could spend the whole episode on just that one audio clip, that two and a half minutes. I, I, could, I could spend the whole episode on just that. Everything about that is wrong. Everything. Right, beginning with the very news anchors themselves, you talk about some brainwashed goons. Good Lord. I mean, a controversial. It's controversial. No, it isn't. There's nothing controversial about it. This is why the world is upside down. This is why it's being run by lunatics. If you think that calling someone with a vagina a girl is controversial, there's something wrong with you. You're mentally ill. If, so, if, if, if calling a boy who has a penis a male is controversial, there's something wrong with you. And again, I mean, Jesus, age. The woman who is interviewed throughout the majority of it is the board president for the Gehanna Jefferson School Board. She's a lunatic. And again, you can see it in her face. Her eyes are huge. They're bulging out. This is a woman incapable of individual thought. I'm shocked she can even get dressed in the morning. These are the kinds of people that we're dealing with. This is the enemy, without a doubt. And again, you probably heard the woman. She was sitting at a table during the board meeting and speaking on behalf of uh, you know, the brainwashed goons who have gender dysphoria, saying that um, you know, you're not going to be treated like people. And that they don't think that you're a person. I mean, that's a stretch, isn't it? That's a stretch. They're people. They're just mentally ill. They're brainwashed by Marxism and Bolshevism and this Jewish ideology that does exist and has existed for centuries. This is part of it. This is all of it wrapped up into one 
specific thing. Now, again, on Friday's episode, I'll tell you how everybody voted, and I'll bring I'll bring all of that uh, you know all those facts to bear here. But this is nuts. This is beyond nuts. If if this resolution opposes the federal government and it passes, of course, that's a good thing because we know that the federal government and the Department of Education want to make everything gay and they want everybody to intermingle, even in the face of the Loudoun County thing, which, by the way, just very quick, two Loudoun County individuals regarding that student rape have been indicted by a grand jury and now they're going to go to court and they're going to be charged with serious crimes. This is what every single school district is inviting. They're inviting this. They're inviting criminal behavior. And when again, it's the it's the catering to the less than one percent. What an embarrassment. What an absolute embarrassment. These places, ladies and gentlemen, need to cease to exist. And again, you know, even if it doesn't pass and all hell breaks loose with all the trannies running everywhere and this, that, and the other. If that ends up being the case, the mass exodus that you're going to see within K-12 schools and K-12 sports is going to be massive. I can't wait. I cannot wait. The coaches are going to quit. Students are going to quit. You name it. Because what's going to happen? Billy thinks that his name is Betty and shows up to play field hockey and just destroys the girls, knocks them to the ground. You name it. I mean, look what happened in the NHL game the other day, or last week, whenever that was. Uh, the NHL, of course, has gone full gay, and uh, you know they're letting a, a tranny play. Well, a tranny played against girls, a dude who was actually a dude, and concussed at least one player, just blasted him right to the ground. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I'll be honest. You know, this is sick, but it's it's kind of it's funny and it's hilarious, and I actually mean this. I would pay to see a game between tranny dudes who think that their girls play against girls. I'd pay to see that because it would be like watching WrestleMania, except Hulk Hogan is you know fighting a girl. It would be amazing. I I'd pay to see that, but. <laughs> But having children do it is 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 something else. I mean, this is different. Uh, and again, this infecting every American K-12 school in the future is an abomination. We know that school districts all over the place are allowing this to happen. But this is just the state of Ohio trying to get ahead of it and say, no, biological sex is real. You're a male. You're a female. Get over it. That's scientific fact. That's the way that it is. And again, it says in the resolution, quote, denying the reality of biological sex destroys foundational truths upon which education rests. True, except the education system is a lie in itself, but you get what I'm saying. And I get what they're saying, so that's that. Anyway, they're voting on it. The vote's probably already gone through. I will, uh, I'll bring that to you on Friday, because, yeah, <laughs> it's just too embarrassing. Okay. Moving on here, I want to briefly bring up the Idaho University of Idaho alleged stabbings again. Um, you heard me say again in the last episode that the whole purpose of a psychological operation is designed to trick as many people as possible, but if you trick just the right amount of people, then it's game over. 
Well, it certainly worked on the campus because now uh, individuals associated with the whole thing, investigators, quote unquote, have come out and said, you know, the killer's on the loose. We don't have the identity of the individual. We don't know who they are, but the killer is on the loose, so everybody be afraid. This, of course, happened also regarding last week's graduation ceremonies, uh, apparently, that took place there for those individuals graduating in the fall. That uh, everybody needs to be afraid and killers on the loose. So, you know, tough times for everybody. I bet almost everybody in that entire graduation believes what happened. I mean, they actually think it actually occurred. Even given, again, as I brought up in the, in the last episode, all of the anomalies associated with it. It's beyond weird. Here's another one. Another weird uh, little thing that apparently just came out the other day. Seems like odd timing for something that would typically take place immediately, and why they would all of a sudden bring this to bear now five weeks into it is odd. But this comes from the New York Post, and it's titled, Idaho Murder Victims Had Hands Bagged to protect possible DNA evidence report. Well, of course. Again, that's, that's standard procedure, is it not? Again, I'm not a police officer, but I know that. You have to immediately gather evidence and close off the area, and then, of course, preserve as much of the body as you can to gather as much evidence off of the alleged bodies as you can. Why is this breaking news? Why is this all of the sudden breaking news on this? It says investigators secured each of the victims' hands in forensic bags before their bodies were removed from the grim crime scene. Did they cut their hands off and stick them in bags? I mean, that's how, that, that's how this reads. They chopped their hands off and stuck them in Ziploc bags and kept them and then disposed of the bodies because... There wouldn't be any evidence on the rest of the body just in the fingernails of the alleged victims who were, you know, potentially scratching their way out of whatever. I'm telling you, this thing smells. Uh, it just smells. They're claiming they also found a glove, a random glove, on the scene that was uh, uh, initially missed by investigators and detectives. Give me a break. Five weeks, ladies and gentlemen. This occurred over five weeks ago, and they're still going, oh, look, a fingerprint. Oh, look, a glove. Don't worry, we've got their hands chopped off, and we're preserving those for evidence. I, uh, I, don't, I don't get this. I don't get it. But they've ensured a state of fear among that particular uh, university, and they've certainly... I mean, the PSYOP has worked. It's scared enough people into believing it's real, and now they're looking over their shoulders. In fact, in the same story, they have people actually saying that people should be on the lookout for, I think it's the parents of one of the alleged victims, is saying that, uh, if they are in fact the parents, they're saying that all of the students, in particular the girls, should be aware of a sadistic male suspect on the campus. They should be looking around and looking over their shoulder constantly. Honest to God. I mean, what a nightmare. What a horrible environment. I mean, from an education standpoint alone, let alone the psyops that take place, you're not going to get psyops in an online university. It doesn't work that way. It's impossible. 
but I don't know. The Idaho thing carries on. Very strange. All right, now. Moving on. This, ladies and gentlemen, is incredible. And I'm going to spend some time on this, and I'm going to read this in its entirety because, again, it's all happening, and it's all coming true, and it is an incredible thing to watch. Going to do my little uh, Rush Limbaugh impression. Here we go. Hot off the presses. This is from the local newspaper where I live, which is so out of money and so terrible that they have to now insert themselves in a local tri-county newspaper. Embarrassing. Anyway, uh, the lead story. It says the following, and they're associating this, of course, with Miami University. You're going to love this. Here we go. It says, quote, Students helping relieve local school staffing shortages. Allow me to repeat that. Students helping relieve local school staffing shortages. Hmm. Let's read on. It says, quote, with substitute teachers in short supply, in southwest Ohio and within the Talawanda School District, Miami University undergraduate teaching students are finding work in local classrooms. Yes, you heard that right. Students who are learning to be teachers are now being hired as substitutes within the local school district. It says a handful of Miami students working on their bachelor's degrees serve as substitutes in nearby schools on days they don't have class, says Molly Sawyer, who coordinates clinical experiences at Miami's Office of Student Teaching. Quote, that's been working really well, unquote. Talawanda Director of Communications and Public Engagement Holly Hansel said, quote, we are so lucky to have that in this community, unquote. Allow me to interject. This story, of course, goes on, and I'm not even close to getting done reading it. This is insane. You have undergrads being substitute teachers. Now, is this allowed by law? It is, but only temporarily. This is allowed to happen by state law or at least county law during this year and next year, and then it's game over. They have to find something else to do. They can't keep pulling from a student population. The excuses that you would expect that they use too throughout this article is asinine. It's absolutely remarkable. I, I, and I got to tell you, in my opinion, all this is going to do, if they aren't already brainwashed and they've already committed 100% to the teaching profession, it will further expose undergraduates to what it's really like to work in these environments. And God willing, many of them will just go, I'm going to change majors, forget this. Or they'll say, I'm so far into this experience, I'm going to graduate without any teaching certification. I'm not going to student teach. I'm just going to graduate with an education degree, and then I'm going to go do something else. I mean, they can't get enough adults to be substitute teachers that they actually have to pay undergrads $125 a day to be a substitute teacher in this district. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this is occurring all over the United States. This is not just a small local issue. This is happening everywhere. And it's glorious. Okay, it continues. And it gets juicier right here. Quote, Talawanda was forced to cancel classes November 21st and 22nd due to a shortage of substitute teachers. Nearly 20% of students and large numbers of staff members were absent due to high levels of illness in some buildings. If 20% of the school's students are sick, the district's policy is not to hold classes. Interesting. Wonder what they're sick with. Could it be AIDS? It continues, and it says there has been a shortage of substitute teachers both locally and nationwide since 2019. According to WOSU, Ohio had nearly 16,000 licensed substitute teachers in 2019. That number dropped to roughly 5,000 in 2021 and hasn't grown much since. A significant number of substitutes are former retired teachers. And then it says, quote, Most don't want to be in the classrooms due to... What do you think it is? Why do you think they say... The spokesperson for the school district says that most people don't want to be in the classrooms because it's due to, let's say it all together, the pandemic. It continues. Most of Talawanda's substitute teachers come from the Butler County Educational Services Center and work in additional districts countywide. With most based in Hamilton, Westchester, or Liberty Township, Hansel, the district's spokesperson, said driving to northwest region, to the northwest region of the county, isn't all, a, isn't, isn't all that appealing, quote-unquote. To attract more staff, Talawanda raised its substitute teacher pay from $95 to $125 per day. Quote, we're the farthest north in Butler County, Hansel said. There's a good chance substitutes are not driving from, from the Oxford General Area. Having a little boost in pay might entice you to do that. You see how you can see where their thinking is. As an entire profession, their entire thinking and wavelength is about money. It's always about money. If we dangle the carrot in front of their face, then they'll come to us. Give them a little bit of more cash, then they'll come our way. It's complete bullshit. No one with a brain would want to be a substitute teacher these days. I don't care how much money they're paying. It continues. It says the school district can now accept substitute teacher licenses for individuals who have not completed a bachelor's degree, according to Sawyer. Talawanda sponsors substitute licenses for a number of Miami undergraduates who are interested in subbing for the district. Talawanda continues to struggle with bus driver shortages. Peterman Transportation is contracted to provide bus transportation for the district. On a handful of days this school year, shortages have caused administrators to drive students themselves and expand regular bus routes. One day, seven buses each had to take a portion of one bus route after several drivers called in sick the previous night. 
I wonder why they called in sick. Could it be AIDS? It then says families were alerted to the busing changes around midnight before the school day. Quote, I anticipate we will have more things like that as we continue to experience the sub-shortages, Hansel said. Talawanda families were told earlier this year to have a plan B for transportation in the event buses weren't available to pick up or drop off students. District officials can't predict when staffing issues will go away. I can predict it. I can tell you when they're not going to go away. They're never going to go away. Ever. This is the never-ending problem that they have gotten themselves into because they have AIDS. It continues. Hansel credits shortages to general trends seen nationwide post-pandemic across all industries, especially education. Now, why would that be? Because everybody bit into the poisonous apple in the field of education, in particular the people running the joint, the people bussing the children, the people allegedly teaching or indoctrinating them too. They all took the forbidden fruit, didn't they? It wraps up and says the following, quote, I don't see a lot of people attracted to education right now, Hansel said. The whole world looked at how harsh it was to be an educator during the pandemic, and it probably made it look very unattractive. It was hard on a lot of people here, unquote. Now let's get something perfectly straight. This Hansel person, again, when you're a paid spokesperson for a school district, you're a bullshit artist. That's the entire job. That's how you get hired as a PR director or something like that. Spokesperson, PR director, same thing. At the top of your resume, before you list your degrees, it has to say professional bullshit artist, professional liar. And then, oh, look, they graduated from the University of Massachusetts. That's great. But they first have to be identified as a complete con artist. These individuals are spinning this in the most predictable ways we've known about for a very long time. It's not that the education profession or the job of a school teacher was difficult during the fake pandemic. That's not it. It's because you condoned child abuse at the blink of an eye. Instantly, you condone child abuse. Instantly, you gagged people. Instantly, the entire profession nationwide was more afraid of breathing air then they were telling people to take multiple injections of something for which they can't even name a single ingredient. That's the truth. It's that simple. But not for these con artists. They have to spin it. Well, there's just a lot of national attention on education, and people see it as being a difficult job, and blah, blah, blah. You make it tough because you're degenerates. And degenerates make everything hard, no pun intended. 
They just make everything difficult. All of the time. They take something so simple and jack it up, mess it up, take a big dump right on top of it, and it doesn't matter. It just destroys the most simple things that exist. Reading, writing, adding, subtracting. That's all you have to do in school. That's it. Not anymore. And it's been this way for a very long time. It's not going to get better. Their staff shortages are not going to get better. And again, to an undergraduate who does not have their head on straight and still wants to be an education major, if they find $125 a day as being attractive, they would. A brainwashed person would find that attractive based on everything that's going on. They would have to be void of any morals or values whatsoever and only be drawn to money and then actually believe that being a substitute as an undergraduate is is going to add to their resume or uh, give them this much needed experience that they so desperately you know clamor for. It's disgusting. This this school district shut down a couple of days before Thanksgiving break to take the entire week off. Most school districts do that anyway, but uh, to do it again right before right before break is an open admission that you have a bunch of teachers that don't want to come back for those few days before Thanksgiving, and at the exact same time they have AIDS, so they're all sick. Twenty percent of the district was out absent. <laughs> it's incredible. It's incredible. And they're never going to figure out why. They're not going to figure it out. This is, the, this is the amazing part. Amazing part about all of this. They're just never going to figure it out. Uh, it's incredible. Okay. Here's the next thing, too, and it falls in the exact same line. Another local school district in the same county where I am, it happens to be again in the top, I want to say, eight largest school districts in the state. It's a big one. Multiple high schools. Um, they're actually thinking about taxing the citizens around their district and in their towns and townships around where their district is for a school levy to bring more money into their schools so that they can build more schools. I'm not kidding. And they're not doing it because they're getting more students. That's not it. What they're doing is, is they want to actually build more schools to accommodate more grades. What does that mean? <laughs> it means that they're actually losing students. And the schools that they currently have can't accommodate more grades than what they already have. But this is their solution. Their solution, again, they think, is to tax the taxpayers and the property owners and tax everybody. You've heard me talk about the levy business at length. It's not going to work. It just won't work. It didn't work where I live. It didn't work in the neighboring districts around where I live, and it's not going to work for this district either, regardless of how big they are or regardless of how big their sports program is. It won't work. They're losing students 
Their staff members are getting sick. They can't find substitutes. This problem, again, it is, I have to tell you, it is quite a gift to, to be alive during this time, is it not? It really is. We are watching the full-blown collapse of the indoctrination system that has brainwashed all of us, including the very people who work within. They're brainwashed too. And now they're jabbed. And that's only going to have one logical conclusion. It's not going to be a good one. But it will be a conclusion, which means what's going to happen to those buildings? They're going to have to consolidate those buildings. They're going to have to tear them down or sell them to the largest bidder for one reason or another. You've heard me say, turn them into prisons, turn them into new one-stop shop hospitals, you name it. In fact, as I brought that up in a previous episode, I think it was on Friday, last Friday, I mentioned that and, and that 20-year-old prediction that my dad had. I mean, he's, he's right about that. As it turns out, and this is a nice segue, Dr. Peter, uh, Peter McCullough actually made mention of a very similar thing. He said the focus of medicine has to go in a completely different direction. Again, he's not talking about education, but he was specifically, of course, talking about the jabs. And I want to make a correction, too. During the roundtable thing, with uh, Senator Ron Johnson, Dr. Peter McCullough did, in fact, say the shots should cease to exist and be pulled off the shelves immediately. You should have seen the look on Ron Johnson's face. It was it was amazing. It looked like again he was sucking on a lemon. He just his face was drawn back in, his eyes were wide, and he's like, "Uh oh, that just got said." In fact, I want to play that audio right here. So give this a listen real quick. I think it has to be said that the pathway to, to prevent any more harm is all the vaccines need to be pulled off the market and withdrawn. That needs to happen immediately. All the vaccine mandates should be dropped immediately. We need requests for applications and immediate funding for vaccine injury centers of excellence across the United States for screening, detection, uh, diagnosis, prognosis, and management. Uh, we need a massive shift in our healthcare system towards managing now this large number of vaccine injured people. What's at stake here is death. And the deaths that were reported by Mr. Dowd and, and others, the deaths on a more probable than not basis that are occurring in someone who have taken a vaccine are due to the vaccine and the autopsy studies show it. It's alarming to save American lives. Now these vaccines need to be pulled off the market. Pretty quiet in the mainstream media regarding those comments. Pretty quiet. Pretty quiet in Washington, D.C. You know, the elected leaders, quote unquote, of this country. Pretty quiet. No one's saying anything regarding that audio clip. That was a big one. I missed that. I'm glad I could play it here and, and finally catch up to it. But uh, yeah, that's exactly what needs to happen. Why don't we turn some of these schools into places like that? Holistic medicine buildings. It's amazing. It's just, it's all collapsing. It's incredible. Okay. You probably, of course, heard about this too. The old catastrophic contagion pandemic simulation that allegedly is going to be targeting children in the future. They, of course, ran this simulation funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. 
in Johns Hopkins University. Uh, let's see. Uh, sorry, the Center for Health and Security. It says, quote, and again, this occurred on October 23rd of this year. It says the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security in partnership with the World Health Organization and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation conducted catastrophic contagion, a pandemic tabletop exercise at the Grand Challenges annual meeting in Brussels, Belgium. These are the same organizations that played out the Event 201 almost three years ago to the day. Catastrophic contagion simulated a new enterovirus, and I'm sorry, enterovirus, if I'm saying that right, don't care, uh, originated near Brazil. Hilarious. The virus has a higher fatality rate than COVID-19 and disproportionately affects children. Lessons from the exercise, quote, countries should prioritize efforts to increase trust in government and public health, improve public health communication efforts, among countless other things. So what does this really mean? Oh, fuck, sorry. It, it concludes here. It says, and increase the resiliency of populations to misleading information and reduce the spread of harmful misinformation. They're going to double down again on this. That's what this means. They're going to use this as the excuse as to why the jabbed are dying. That's it. This has already jabbed written all over it the already jabbed and dying this is this is their excuse they're going to say it's something else something else is going around the people who believe this i mean my god in heaven how many times do do you know does the human race have to be lied to before they eventually say wait a minute wait a minute i'm being lied to i have to be i have to be being duped at some level here. Again, one of the memes bouncing around, which is perfect, it just says, if you're not the least bit suspicious after these past two years, three years, there's something seriously wrong with you. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're, at, you're either dead or you're dead asleep. And those, again, are not survivable skills. Those aren't survivable characteristics. But they're going to run it again. It's all they have, and uh, yeah, they're going to try it again, but they're going to continue to use, again, the dead and the dying from the jabs as an excuse as to something else bouncing around, which of course won't be the case. It's just the jabbed and AIDS. Okay. Uh, here's the next one. This is from Dr. Mercola just the other day, um, and it's... Here's the story at a glance. Actually, first, here's the title. Politicians make new attempts to ban supplements. Again, get your fen, uh, I'm pronouncing it wrong, fenbenzenol. Get that on Amazon while you can. It's a relatively cheap antiparasitic. I recommend it. And again, one of the cool things about these antiparasitics and these anti-inflammatories that don't require prescriptions like ivermectin and fenbenzenol and a lot of these other things is uh, they have multiple positive properties. They clear up skin. There was a post that I put on my gab the other day of a girl who said, uh, you know, thanks for the heads up on ivermectin, my rosacea has gone away. She had what looked like 
well, beyond rosy cheeks, but she had the pimples coming out of her cheeks. And then she was taking ivermectin and she took pictures of it and it went away. Now she has clear skin. So, hey, why not? Give it a try. Want clear skin? Try ivermectin. Try fenbenzenol. Don't get crazy with it, but, you know, give, give it a whirl. Can't hurt you. Uh, here's the story at a glance from Mercola. It says, quote, proposed legislation is calling for a federal database for dietary supplements, which requires supplement makers to submit information to the FDA. Known as Mandatory Product Listing, MPL, for dietary supplements, supporters claim it's a way for the FDA to know what products are on the market and what ingredients they include. Opponents suggest the move which is redundant and burdensome for small supplement companies, could ultimately give the FDA more power to ban supplements from the market. Of course, that's the plan. MPL could pave the way for the FDA to gain pre-market approval power, changing access to supplements as we know it. Multinational companies like Bayer, Nestle, uh, Unilever, if I'm saying that right, Procter & Gamble, and Clorox have also been buying up supplement companies at a frenzied pace. In 2018, there were 83 such transactions, and this rose to 137 in 2021. This should get worse, I think. I think this one is going to get worse. Uh, I, I will say this too. I don't know where people get their supplements. I don't know where you get your supplements if you get them. Me personally, I recommend Life Extension. I'm not a paid spokesperson for them. They have a very cool magazine that comes out once you start buying their products. But look up Life Extension on the internet uh, and type in again in their search box just about anything and everything, and they've got it. And their prices are great. Uh, Their discounts are amazing. And it's top quality stuff. I've, I've been using it for quite some time now. I thoroughly enjoy it. No ill side effects whatsoever. Their vitamin D3 is great. It's like 5,000 IUs per per teeny little pill. Um, unfortunately, again, their their containers don't come filled to the brim. You know, there's a lot of gauze and everything in it. But either way, uh, the prices are fantastic. So, yeah. There's another one here that I want to suggest also, again, if, if anybody's interested, because I know that a lot of individuals clamor for the Z-Stack stuff from the late, great Dr. Zelenko. Uh, no offense to his Z-Stack combination, but they do exist in other forms in other brands. You can get them on Amazon, and here's the kicker. You can get more of them. It's not Z-Stack, but it's the same stuff that the Z-Stack has in it. In fact, it has more in it at higher percentages for cheaper, and you get physically more product for your money. So there's one in particular I'm going to recommend. I've been taking this for years. It's called Immune Defend by Liberty. And uh, you can look, again, just type in Immune Defend on Amazon, and it pops up and it says 8-in-1 Immune Defense Support, Immunity Vitamin Supplement Booster with Zinc. Let's see, it has zinc, vitamin C, uh, echinacea, if I'm saying that right, turmeric, elderberry, vitamin D, uh, ginger, and vitamin B6. You get two containers, 60 capsules per container for $24.95. That's, that's way more bang for your buck than what's in the Z-Stack. So 
I understand that the Z stack thing has some name recognition and, you know, it's one of those things where people panic and then they're like, I got to get, I got to get the Z stack stuff. Uh, you know, the, the point is, is there's more here. There's another one here. There's immune defense. D-E-F-E-N-S-E, not immune defend, like I just described, but immune defense, and it's a 12-in-1 immune support. Uh, Vitamin C, elderberry, turmeric, ginger, some kind of berry, uh, Q-certin, another kind of berry, uh, something else, something else I can't see, zinc, something else, vitamin D. There's a few other things. Anyway, there's lots of stuff out there. they might have all-in-one things like this on Life Extension's website also, but there you go. Just a few suggestions if you're curious. Nice little stocking stuffer for people if, uh, if you're interested. Okay, I'm going to end with this. Make sure you have a barf bag next to you. Can't make this up. This was just published, and I'm going to read it because a lot of people would criticize it without even reading it, but let's, let's slug through this together, shall we? Okay, here we go. Tony Fauci's disgusting wife has written an article about Tony Fauci, and it's a tribute to her husband. It is titled, this is in the, sorry, let me get this straight, it's in the guest editorial section of the American Journal of Nurses, if I'm not mistaken or American Journal of Nursing, something to that effect. It says it's titled the following. Here we go. Are you ready? Are you sitting down? Do you want to do you want to feel sick to your stomach? Here we go. It's gonna happen. Quote A tribute to Dr. Fauci. A nurse honors her husband's legacy. Written by Christine Grady, PhD MS. Familial narcissism, ladies and gentlemen, it's amazing. It says, quote, Dr. Anthony Fauci is, as former President Obama once said, quote, a once in a century public health leader, unquote, a physician investigator and public servant at the National Institutes for Health, NIH, for almost six decades, and director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, NIAID, for 38 years, Tony has dedicated his life to improving the lives of patients with a host of devastating infectious and immunological diseases, including HIV, Ebola, Zika, and vasculitis syndromes, influenza, and COVID-19. During his time at the NIH, Tony advised seven U.S. presidents while running a productive research laboratory and a large dynamic institute. Through the years, he continued to see, listen to, and care for patients. Tony is also my husband. We were married in 1985, and I have the privilege of spending more than half my life with him. When we first met, I was a clinical nurse specialist in immunology and infectious disease at the NIH. Observing him on rounds, it was immediately obvious to me that he cared deeply for patients. He had high expectations of the nurses, fellows, and others on the healthcare team and insisted on standards 
of excellent, thorough, and ethical care. In addition to their clinical status, Tony cared about patients' functional ability and quality of life. I can recall many years ago, Tony challenging a clinical fellow who'd reported that his patient with severe, good luck with this one, hypersinophilia, if I'm saying that right, was now doing fine, quote-unquote. Tony responded that until the patient could comfortably walk to at least the end of the hall, he was not really doing fine, quote-unquote. Since the 1980s, Tony has worked tirelessly researching ways to treat, prevent, and mitigate HIV. He cared for HIV-infected patients himself, while he and his lab pursued innovative and transformative research. Although people with HIV in their communities were critical of the government's initial response and of Tony as the face of that response, he was undeterred, listened to their critics, listened to their critiques, rather, learned from their experiences, and worked hard to improve approaches to clinical trials, drug development, and access to life saving medications. All of that is a lie. Continuing, aware of the inequitable global access to HIV treatment and prevention, Tony drew people, strategies, and political will together to help establish PEPFAR, P-E-P-F-A-R, the President's Emergency Plan for AIDS Relief. He remains extremely proud of these efforts which have saved millions of lives here and abroad. Also a lie. When Ebola exploded in West Africa in 2014, as a U.S. government spokesperson, Tony worked closely with America's leaders to provide straightforward information to the public and calm their fears. Under the leadership, NIAID established multiple intervention trials in collaboration with clinics in Libya to stem the epidemic. A special biocontainment unit, the NIH, was set up for infected healthcare providers from West Africa. Deb Gutierrez, the unit's nurse manager, recalled that Tony was there to greet patients when they arrived in the middle of the night. He works side-by-side side with the nurses and other providers while emphasizing nurses' safety as a priority. That's funny and ironic, isn't it? It continues, it says, She told me, quote, His calm demeanor and the respect he showed to all nursing staff went a long way to boosting their confidence, unquote. Over the past three years, Tony's visibility skyrocketed as he engaged in fighting the unprecedented COVID-19 pandemic. Spending an unimaginable number of hours collaborating with scientists and public health officials in trailblazing research on vaccines and treatments, advising two presidents, and regularly communicating with the public, Tony's scientific knowledge, willingness to tell it like it is, resilience, Brooklyn tenacity, and leadership have been remarkable. Barf. Not in the caregiving role this time, he nonetheless recognized the invaluable role of nurses and other clinicians in providing patient care. 
at the 2021 virtual meeting of the American Association of Critical Care Nurses, he referred to ICU nurses as, quote, truly the heroes and heroines of this pandemic, unquote. Tony has always been a champion of nurses. He has always been recognized by nurses for his efforts from the American Academy of Nursing, selecting him as a 2020 Honorary Fellow to AJN, now honoring him in this issue. As a nurse myself, I applaud Tony's commitment to patient care, public health, and clinical research, and to the nurses and other professionals who make it all possible. Unquote. I gotta tell you, I think they're running some serious cover, don't you? It almost reads like an obituary. It almost kind of reads like that. But it's also a suck-up piece written by his own wife in the Journal of American Nursing or something to that effect. Either way, it's stupid. It's a complete lie. A total cover piece. I can't imagine anybody reading this and believing it. But you know there are people who read this and believe it. Anthony Fauci walks into a room, people stand up out of their seats and applaud. This has to still happen. These people are crazy, of course, but you can count on that actually happening. He's even out there recently, as of the other day, saying uh, that we're still in the midst of a pandemic, ladies and gentlemen. Still in the midst of a pandemic, and uh, don't forget to get your shot because it's the best Christmas gift you can give yourself and your loved ones before meeting up for the holidays. I'm going to end with this, ladies and gentlemen. I want to hear next snap. That's what I want to hear. I want to hear them snap at the end of a rope. Don't you? I want the footage. I want a front row seat. And Tony had better be there. And he had better be on the wrong side of that rope. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.